Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Here you go. Here you go. Postpone. No, not the Super Bowl. Everyone stay calm. We're going to get to the game. The Chinese Football Association postponed every soccer game at every level in China because of the coronavirus virus. Is it the coronavirus or the coronavirus virus? Whatever it is, I have a question for you all. Are you aware that there is right now in China an entire area that has been quarantined, a la outbreak, contagion, as in you cannot leave, you cannot come, you cannot go? The total number of people quarantined in China right now over 11 million people. Let me give you some perspective. On a percentage basis, that is seven one hundredths of China's population is now quarantined. So let me tell you what that means. CBS Sports HQ has studios in Fort Lauderdale and in Connecticut. If in the United States we quarantine the same percentage of people who are currently quarantined in China because of the Miller Lite virus. Two-thirds of Connecticut would be quarantined. So for all of you people, what? It's up to 50 million? Is that live right now? That's four times the 11 million. Okay, Connecticut, it's not just Stanford. If you work in the Stanford studio for CBS Sports HQ, you're going to work triple eight-hour shifts. You're never going home. Do you think as Americans, what would we do if an entire state, that's basically now more than Connecticut quarantined? This is not a joke. I called it the Miller Lite because I'm not being paid by Corona. Actually, I'm not being paid by Miller Lite. It's the Budweiser virus. What would we do if all of a sudden you were told that you're quarantined? You're not sick. You don't have a sore throat. You don't have a cough. Everything's great. Would you escape? Would you try to leave? American carriers are not even going to China at the frequency they were, airplanes. You've got a travel ban, a travel ban that was just announced by the U.S., like it's a war zone. So I'm here to tell you not to worry about it yet. However, if we see that there are more and more cases of this virus popping up, the biggest pandemic, Black Plague, Remember, it took out almost 40 to 50% of Europe back in the 14th century. You want to talk about population control? China used to have the one-child policy, and it was detailed in a movie that we will review, but not today. This could be even more effective 
than a one-child policy. In the meantime, wash your hands, use sanitizer, try to use your elbow when you're coughing and sneezing. Yes, I'm talking to you people on airplanes. And start thinking about what it would mean to you if your family were quarantined. Tom Brady just sold his house in Connecticut or looking at a house in Greenwich. I doubt he'll look now because he may be quarantined. There's a Super Bowl going on Sunday, and Tom Brady's not in it. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. Even though Joe Montana today interviewed on CBS Sports HQ, said the greatest quarterback to him is Otto Graham. Give me a break. Otto was fine. Tom Brady's the best. We know it. But Tom Brady, to be the best, you have to have an ego. I've been around athletes who are the best. I've been around, the, in my mind, the best ball, baseball players maybe of all time. And one thing they had in common, other than amazing hand-eye coordination, is the amazing narcissistic qualities and the size of the ego. Tom Brady absolutely has those qualities. We know it. Because he cannot stand the fact that he was not getting any attention for these last two weeks. Don't kid yourself. He loves being in the Super Bowl, getting that attention. So not only did he join social media amid a firestorm of publicity and got tons of followers immediately, it was even bigger than when O.J. Simpson joined. But actually, Coca, check to see, does O.J. Simpson have more followers or Tom Brady? So Tom Brady got on Instagram and he posted a picture yesterday that is causing the biggest ruckus. If you're listening to the show, then you can't see it, but I'm going to describe it to you if you haven't seen it. It's a, it's a silhouette, darkened figure, either walking into or out of a stadium. And you can't see the face, but you know it's Tom Brady because you know that sort of head and shoulders. And there's no explanation. There's no words. It's just a photo. There have been articles written everywhere saying it could mean one of five things. Number one, does it mean that Tom Brady is walking into a new stadium? walking into a new situation? Is he walking back toward the Patriots? Is he walking away from the Patriots toward another team? Is Tom Brady retiring? Is Tom Brady as the director, Linda? I don't know that I've called out Linda's name. Every show she's here making sure that I look good, that it sounds good. Every day. Thank you, Linda. She said, hey, this could be a Super Bowl ad. It could be. He could be teasing an ad. God knows if you're watching any media this week, you're seeing more players shill more products. It's a absolute disaster to me as I watch. Was it Christian McCaffrey who had the Old Spice shirt on today on CBS? It made me laugh, right? I was only hoping for anchor's sake that he actually used the product that he was shilling. So Tom Brady got all this attention and then has stayed silent. Tom Brady is brilliant, and I want to congratulate him because he finds a way to get attention. O.J. has how many? 13,000 more? That's it? O.J. Simpson has 13,000 more Twitter followers than Tom Brady. Amazing. 927,000 versus 914. Instagram, I would imagine Tom Brady may have more, but I'm sure the Coke is following up on Instagram because this was an Insta post, not a tweet, but I'm glad you now know about his Twitter following. Tom Brady gets the attention of everybody and says nothing. Do you know what his, it's a picture, right? What this picture means? Nothing. That's the article that I would have written for CBS. I would have written and I would have said, Tom Brady is just an attention freak. He needs it. He wants it. It's his fuel. 
It's like he goes to the gas station and he says, what can I do? And then he laughs. He laughs as he spends all of his riches, as he stays with his beautiful wife, Giselle. Four small children, three, however many children he has, thinking about his next move. And the irony is, he's joking. Do you think Tom Brady for one second is going to be like Al Hirschfeld? I'm mentioning Al Hirschfeld's name on this show for the first time. Raise your hand if you know who Al Hirschfeld is. Anybody. Al Hirschfeld is a very, very famous cartoonist who used to draw for the New Yorker. And he would hide the name of his daughter, which was who was Nina, was the name, N-I-N-A. And in his drawings, he would hide Nina within the drawings. And then where he signed it, he'd put a number. So it would say six Al Hirschfeld. You'd know that there were six Ninas somewhere in the drawing. And you had a very hard time finding it. He was brilliant. Could Tom Brady have been channeling Al Hirschfeld? Is there something in the picture that shows a logo of another team or a logo of the Patriots or some sort of clue what team he's going to? Some sort of clue that he's going into retirement because he's not wearing a jersey. He's wearing a very, very form-fitting, lovely, below-the-waist-above-the-knee coat, possibly with boots, says Linda. That's two, Linda. Wait till I get to PETA. You're going to get three. Meanwhile, follow-up, OJ doesn't have Instagram, and Tom Brady has 7 million followers. Now, that sounds like a lot to most of us. It certainly doesn't approach the Kardashians, but in that sense, he's doing very well. The first, that's, am I, do you want me to say that on the air? So, so I have a whole rundown. Coke is in my right ear. I'm wearing a right ear today because I can't find my left ear piece. So I'm in the right ear. Coca just said Christian Ronaldo is the first athlete, Cristiano, it's Christian for short, is the first person ever to get to 200 million followers on Instagram. Do you feel as though this will help boost the ratings of our show that I just gave that? I said the Kardashians have a lot of followers. I never said. I'm having a conversation with Coca in the middle of a show. Then we can't even edit out because we never edit. You always hear when you, thank you for downloading and subscribing, by the way. Oh, and all the questions that you put on Apple, the bonus pod is going to drop this weekend. You gave all the questions when you rated us on Apple and reviewed us. There were some amazing questions. Thank you. We're going to do it again. All you have to do is rate and review on Apple. Ask a question that's interesting, and I will answer it at the end of every month. This month, January, first time, and it'll drop this weekend. And for those of you who download, subscribe, whatever platform, thank you. Follow me on Twitter. It's fun. And you get to hear Coca yell at me, but you never get to hear his voice. That's the mystery of Coca. We'll never let him on the show because he's got major social anxiety. So he'll feel as though he'll get all tense and won't know what to do. But he certainly has no problem yelling in my ear. In any case, just to sum up, Tom Brady, stop worrying about looking at the photo. There's no Ninas in it. He just was spoofing us. He was just having fun with us. And it made me laugh. So in, uh, I don't even understand this segue, but it's a funny one. In 2009, we started to build the ballpark. That's when we got approved to build Marlins Park, which opened in 2012. And one thing that our owner, Jeffrey Loria, said, among many, very, very brilliant designed mind, smart man with great sort of visual marketing, color schemes, etc. He wanted part of the ballpark, no matter where you look, to be very Miami. 
And one thing we came up with was having fish tanks behind the plate instead of the normal brick. So Marlins Park has fish tanks behind the plate. We had to go through a whole song and dance. We actually filmed a TV show called Fish Tank Kings or something where we had to make sure for MLB to approve fish tanks behind the plate that a ball could hit the tank and it wouldn't shatter. A bat could hit the tank and it wouldn't shatter because we didn't want fish flopping around on the grass or the, the behind the plate if it did shatter. And we had a lot of fun with that. And so I thought it was a great idea. We build the fish tanks and I got a letter one day, I'm in my office and uh, in Pro Player Stadium where the Super Bowl is being held, and I get an email. I had a public email that once upon a time was d.sampson at marlins.com, and I would answer every person's email. I got an email from someone who was protesting the fish tanks, and it was a member of PETA, and it was saying PETA's the people for the ethical treatment of animals. People for the ethical treatment of animals. So the letter said that we protest, we do not agree that you are taking fish out of the ocean and you are putting them in a confined space like a tank and what you are doing is cruel to animals. And it looked like what I thought was a form letter. I got ready to respond as I did to all. And all of a sudden, uh, my assistant contacts me and says, David, we got something going on here. And I said, what? We're getting tons of these exact emails from PETA. It turns out that what PETA did is they sent me hundreds of thousands of emails all the same. They basically busted the Marlin server because I got so many emails protesting the fish tanks. So I wrote a letter and I responded saying, number one, we didn't take these fish from the ocean. Number two, they're having a much better life because we're going to feed them, we're going to clothe them, and believe me, they're going to live a very good life. They'll be very happy. They, we, the part of the letter said that the fish are going to get scared because the crowds are so big and it's so loud. I said, scared? There's 150 people at every game. It's quieter than a household. There's no way they're going to get scared. So they busted our server, and I ended up getting, I never got any blood thrown on me by PETA people, but to this day, PETA people come up to me and talk about the fish tanks. And I look at them askance, and I wonder what it is they do on a daily basis. And I've now found out. They do commercials. PETA came out today with a Super Bowl commercial that is one of the absolute, I think it was a joke. It's a commercial of animals who are kneeling while the national anthem is being played. So the tune of the national anthem is being played. <laughs> Goes on and on. And every type of animal is seen kneeling, whether it's a squirrel, a chipmunk, an elephant, a snake, even a bald eagle is kneeling. And then it says, respect everybody. The NFL blocked it. The NFL said, you may not do that ad, that we're not allowing it. The NFL, as part of its deal with the networks, they have the right to approve ads. Did Peter actually think that the NFL would approve an ad with people kneeling with all that's going on with the Colin Kaepernick kneeling, all the issues they've had on their biggest day of the year, not a chance. Did PETA know that in advance? This is where people are wrong on Twitter and on social media. PETA knew very well when they were making that ad that it would not be approved. That's what PETA does. They're an S blank blank T disturber. 
See, Mikey, I didn't say shit. They are absolutely disturbers. That's what they do. They take the time to get some sort of recognition, some sort of awareness for a conversation. But this time they actually did it even better than they could have dreamt. They don't have to pay the $5.5 million or whatever it is for the 30-second. This was a one-minute ad. They don't have to pay that rate, and they are getting the attention. To me, it's negative attention, but PETA doesn't care. That's the joke of PETA. PETA does it for shock value. They don't do it to actually make a difference. They don't actually care about the ethical treatment of animals. They actually just care about this level of attention. I'm not giving them even 15 more seconds of my time on this show, except when I say, hey, PETA, you win. We talked about you. Moving on. Zadarius Smith came to my attention. I am so bothered when players don't play well and then they blame the front office, and it happens. We had players, I've told you, Heath Bell would blame the trainers every time he blew a save. I've had players say, hey, the conditions weren't good. Hey, I don't feel well. Hey, I'm having problems at home. Hey, the grass isn't cut right. Ichiro, who I love, I love Ichiro. Ichiro would complain to me about the grass at Marlins Park that he wanted to cut a certain way. And Ichiro deserved that because I wanted him to be happy and be able to field ground balls. And he said the way we cut the grass, the balls would zigzag and go in different directions. So we changed it as best as we could, and we didn't win one extra game. Zadarius Smith is maybe the best defensive player. He's a defensive end on the Packers. The Packers lost to the Niners in the NFC Championship, got crushed. They were... The Niners were the better team, hands down. They could not stop the run. Remember, there was a rushing record all time, second most to Eric Dickerson, I think. Zadarius Smith claims the reason we lost is that we didn't fly to the West Coast fast enough and early enough, so our bodies were jet-lagged. We were not ready to play the Niners. He's not saying we didn't have a good game plan. He's not saying we don't have the right personnel. He's not saying we just got beaten by a better team. He's saying that if we had left earlier, our bodies would have adjusted. As Matthew Kokos so perfectly put in our pre-show routine of conversation, the Milwaukee Bucks flew from Paris. We bet the Bucks would have jet lag and a problem beating the Washington Wizards. They scored a buck 51. That's the same. That's Milwaukee. Do you know the time zone difference from Green Bay to San Francisco? It's two hours. Green Bay's in the central zone. San Francisco's in the western time zone. We've had these conversations with players ad nauseum. Let's get to the west coast earlier. The second day is always the hardest day. Why don't we travel earlier? And then the fathers on the team are split 50-50. Half the fathers say, we want to leave three days earlier. The other half of the fathers say, we want to leave zero days earlier. We want to be with the family. The single players who party, if it's a city where they like to party, they want to leave three days earlier. If it's a city like Milwaukee, which is their rest city, they want to leave zero days earlier. So it's not that the players ever want to do something that will benefit their play on the field. It's all based on where they can party the most in a road city. When we And I've done it. I've asked the players, hey, do you want to get into Milwaukee early on your off day or St. Louis? I get laughed at. Hey, do you guys want to go to New York City for an extra off day? Hell yes, we do. It's all based on that. 
So Ladarius Zadarius Smith is claiming that they would have beaten the Niners and gotten to Super Bowl 54 if only the front office had agreed to leave earlier. The extra expense is the extra night of hotel. That's it. The plane is the same price. You have to pay the players a per diem when they're on the road versus at home. So the cost is the per diem. Call it 100 bucks a day per player. Let's say you have 60, 100 players, right? That's so that's nothing. It's 10 grand. It's not even worth talking about. On top of that, you've got hotels. Say it's 200 bucks a night and say you've got 50 rooms. It's again, it's, it's nothing. The cost is not the issue. Practically speaking, will it make a difference? That's what I wanted to know from the players. They always said yes, and I always knew they were full of it because it was based on the city. Zadarius claiming this is embarrassing. It takes away from the fact that the Niners simply were the better team. It's a shame. Kyle Lowry got pushed yesterday. Kyle Lowry, why? You know, he goes into the stands a lot. During the NBA Finals, he got pushed by the Golden State Warriors. Remember when Kyle Lowry is a player for the Toronto Raptors? He fell into the front row seats, which are the best seats in sports. I was lucky enough to sit courtside because John Henry bought courtside seats in the AAA where the Miami Heat play. And when John Henry sold the team to Jeffrey Loria, we inherited those seats. And the way it worked is everyone wanted to sit there because it is the greatest seat in all of sports. Mid-court, front row. For all of the runs of the NBA Finals from Shaquille to LeBron, amazing. So Kyle Lowry is going after a loose ball, and sometimes players come into the into, – they run into you, your courtside. It's the – there's no seat in sports that's closer to the action than a courtside NBA seat. I call it the Spike Lee seats because that's my experience, Spike Lee at the Knicks. On the West Coast, people call it the Jack Nicholson seat. Nobody calls it the Diane Cannon seat. So Kyle Lowry, during the NBA Finals, goes in. The Golden State Warrior minority owner pushes him out of the way, gets basically suspended. Kyle Lowry goes along, goes on his way. Until last night. When the Raptors only won by six and they were supposed to win by 10, and the reason why the Raptors didn't cover, and I lost my pick of the day, is because Kyle Lowry got so furmished by the fact that he was pushed again. He went into the crowd, and some fan put his hands to Lowry's back, fully extended, and pushed Lowry off his lap, even though Lowry was already getting up and almost above his lap. So the question I had is what what do we do about this and what's Kyle Lowry going to do? Unfortunately, we got our answer and it's not a good one. And this will draw the attention of the front office as it should. Kyle Lowry said, why should I have to take this? It's not right. And I don't think I'm going to take it anymore. If that happens to me again, I sure as heck hope I don't retaliate. But I can't tell you, I can't promise what I'm going to do. NBA and Raptors, you're on notice. You are on notice that Kyle Lowry is saying that you're going to have a Ron Artest Detroit situation if Lowry again goes in to the front row. And he's the type of player he will do that. So what would I do? Two things. One, I'm telling Cleveland as the NBA, you must take away the season tickets of those people who own those seats. The odds are very good that the person in that seat was not the season ticket holder. We have the right as a team owner and a league to take away anybody's tickets anytime we want. We can't get taken to court. We can do it because we don't like the way you look, smell, feel, touch, taste. Any reason. 
check your contract, check your, t- check your tickets. If you interfere in the field of play, automatic revoke season tickets. Period. End of story. Number two, I make it very clear. If a fan touches a player at all, at any time, for any reason other than self-defense, it will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and we are going to call it a simple battery. Number three, I tell the players, no matter what a fan does to you, if they pour beer on your head, if they put their hand down your shorts and tickle your tushy, whatever they do, you are not permitted to retaliate. We have security guards. We've got NBA officials. Trust me, we will take care of it. You are not permitted ever, ever to touch a fan. Three rules. Those are the changes I would make. I don't know that the NBA is paying attention to what we're saying right now because they're way too focused on other changes, like to the All-Star game. This was one of my funnier topics today. So the All-Star game, did you know the NHL All-Star game was already played? Yeah, we didn't cover it. I don't think it was covered anywhere. It actually happened. The NFL Pro Bowl happened last weekend, and it was watched by 14 and a half people. I think the AFC won by five, but I can't remember. It was actually right during Kobe's uh, accident. That's the only thing I remember at the Pro Bowl. So the NBA All-Star Game is coming. There were a ton of articles yesterday, a ton of conversation. Bradley Beal didn't make it in, and then his girlfriend defended him. Two Miami Heat players did. First time for Bam. Congratulations. All of it made irrelevant because the NBA announced something that made me so happy. Total rule changes in the All-Star Game. (coughs) This is not funny. I think they changed the rules. They were going to do it anyway. But they did something. Now they're saying it's because of Kobe Bryant. Wouldn't it be interesting if these rule changes were going to happen anyway? Let me tell you what they are. Everyone is so confused. They're so easy, folks. The first quarter of the game is a 12-minute quarter. Whoever wins the first quarter, at the end of the first quarter, there'll be a score. That's the game. The game's over after the first quarter. The winner of that game gets $100,000 to the charity of their choice. Done. The second quarter starts. Another 12-minute game. The score is 0-0. It's a 12-minute game. Whoever wins the second quarter, you get hundred grand. Halftime. A halftime show. Third quarter. Another 0-0 game. This will be, be the third game you'll watch. All 12-minute games. Whoever wins the third quarter gets another hundred grand. Then the fourth quarter comes. The fourth quarter is not a timed quarter. The score at the beginning of the fourth quarter is exactly what the score would have been had we not gone back to 0-0 after each previous quarter. If you score 20 points in the first, 30 points in the second, 40 points in the third, you've got 90. So you've got 90 to start the fourth period. If you're beating the if the East is beating the West 90 to 80, the way the fourth quarter works, whoever gets to 114 first wins. How did I come up with that? Am I like Rain Man? No. The winning team in the fourth quarter has to score 24 points more than whoever has the highest score going into the fourth. So if the score is 90 to 80, If the team with 90 gets 24 points first, 
First to 114, they win. If the team with 80 gets 34 points first, first to 114 wins. And they're saying the 24 is to honor Kobe Bryant. What number were they going to use beforehand? Were they going to use a different uniform? Was it going to be the first to 33, the first to 21? Was it always going to be 24 after the 24-second clock, knowing that the fourth quarter is no longer a timed quarter? Do you have to hit 114 on the nose? What if you take a three and get to 115? It's like a pickup game, game over. Or is it like darts where you actually have to get the exact number, and if you don't, it doesn't count, and the basket gets taken away? People are blown away. I'm excited. What's wrong with changing the rules once in a while? It's not a big deal. So Coke is not my guru for movies. Uh, I think we know that. And I'm not his. And I think I know that. And I have no problem with it. I got a call from him one day. One of the great tangential benefits of working together is the ability to talk to him about absolute nonsense every single day of my life now. He called me and said, hey, you got to check out this movie. It's called Waves. And I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it. He said it's with Sterling K. Brown and Taylor Russell. He said, you will not believe it. It's the most uncomfortable I've ever felt watching a movie. And that's saying something because he's generally in a state of discomfort. So for him to acknowledge that this was the most uncomfortable he'd ever been, I said, I've got to watch it. I watched Waves. This is a movie. It's, it's two movies in one. The first part of the movie is about a family with a dad played by Sterling K. Brown, who is extremely domineering. He is one of those tough love dads. And his son is a wrestler, and his son appears to have it all. A gorgeous girlfriend, a perfect body, dyed blonde hair. I don't know why that's part of the movie, but dyed blonde hair. And the first part of the movie shows the love that he and his girlfriend have, the freedom they have. It's this loud sensory overload type of movie where they show the party and they show the freedom. They show the difference between when the son is with his dad and feeling stifled and when the son is with his girlfriend and feeling free. It's about, it's really why kids are always trying to get out of the nest, to fly away, spread their wings. Then all of a sudden the movie turns dark. And I mean dark. It turns out the son had some issues. He had some daddy issues. It turns out he actually may not have been as comfortable in his own skin as we thought. He got an injury that was going to stop him from continuing his athletic career. And it was a story about what happens when an athlete can't be an athlete anymore. Was he disappointing his father? Was he secretly happy that he was hurt and that he couldn't actually disappoint his father by not being good enough on the field? Or was he disappointing his father by not actually being able to take the field? What happens when an athlete gets so disappointed they have no more outlet for their aggression or their emotion? Something happens, and it's not good. The rest of the movie is what happens and what the result of that action is. How a family gets completely torn apart. And then the second half of the movie focuses on Taylor Russell, who plays his daughter Emily. Not plays the dad's daughter, the brother of the athlete, the son. God, that was such an awkward way to say it, which was really my way of saying I can't remember the character names. Tyler, thank you, Coca. <laughs> By show 100, you would have said Tyler like 15 seconds sooner. This is only show 66, so I get it. So how do Tyler and his sister, how do they interact? What happens to a family after an event? I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to watch it. But here's the rules of watching Waves. Number one, 
Don't do it under the influence of anything. There are some movies where I'll suggest you're under the influence. This is not one of them. Two, don't do it with people who you're not comfortable with. Either watch the movie alone or watch it with a good friend or a significant other. Three, whoever you're with, make sure that they're willing to have a conversation after that starts with two to three minutes of absolute silence. Because when this movie ends, you won't be able to talk about it. You'll have to let it sort of sink in. Once it sinks in, you then need to have a conversation about it. You need to be with someone who will have that conversation with you. Waves. See it in the appropriate way and you will not be sorry. Okay. You know, yesterday we, uh, I got some, uh, sorry about that, I had the water bottle up on the table. I'm not allowed to put a water bottle on the table because we're not getting any sponsorship from Zephyr Hills. So Zephyr Hills, I'm not really drinking your water. Look, I'm taking, I'm taking, you hear that crinkling? I'm taking the tag off. So now it just looks like an empty water bottle. When you see empty water bottles on a sideline or when you see tape put over bottles, do you know that before the World Series, if you're sponsored by Pepsi, that means that in your clubhouse, you've got Aquafina water. That's the rule, right? You do a water deal and a soda deal with Pepsi, Gatorade deal. But then if you're in the World Series, and let's say that baseball were a Coke, right? A Coke sponsored deal. When you are sponsored in baseball with your team, the Jewel events are not sponsored. Individually, they're sponsored the whole league. So the water during the World Series, were it to be a Coke World Series, would be Dasani. Do you know that there are clubbies who are paid below minimum wage, who have to take off the Zephyr Hills label or the Aquafina label, whatever label it is, and they have to keep them blank like this, what I'm showing you, which is a blank bottle, or they actually put white tape over the label if they can't get the label off. I've seen clubbies have to do this. It is the biggest pain in the neck, right? Because we have a responsibility to our sponsor. This happened in the 1992 Dream Team. Do you remember when we thought all those players Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, all these great Nike players who were sponsored by Nike, we thought they were so American. Go back and look at the pictures with their American flags over their shoulders. 1992, right when you were born, Coca, and they're wearing American flags over the Reebok sweatsuits because Reebok was an Olympic sponsor, Nike wasn't. So there was a whole big ruckus about whether these NBA Dream Team members who were Nike players, what would they do about the Reebok sweatsuit? So instead of not wearing the sweatsuit, which they threatened to do, they draped an American flag to cover the Reebok logo. And they actually thought that when we looked at Michael Jordan, we said, oh, that's right. We're not going to buy Reebok because we can't see the logo on Jordan's sweatsuit. We are going to buy a flag and we're going to be sure to buy Nike because we know that Nike was so petty that they would not allow the players to show the Reebok logo. I don't get it. Speaking of Olympics, we talked about uh, we talked about the church yesterday in the New Orleans Saints, and I lost my mind. I'm still impacted by that segment yesterday. If you didn't hear it, go back and download it, please. It's about what uh, going on with the Saints and a bunch of pedophiles in New Orleans. And then word came out today about USA Gymnastics. And I want to explain to everybody what exactly is going on because there's a lot of misinformation out there. USA Gymnastics, that is a 
not-for-profit entity that is in charge, as it sounds, of USA Gymnastics. So when we watch the Olympics and we see, I was going to say Nadia Comaneci, isn't that funny? Mary Lou Retton, anyone know who that is? Pick any Olympian, American Olympian. Simeon, Simeon Biles? Simone Biles? Simeon is a tribe. It's one of the old tribes and a cabin at the camp I went to, Camp Interlaken. Anyway, all of these female gymnastics, gym, gymnasts, they were victims of countless, countless instances of sexual abuse. It's not a matter of whether it happened. It 100% happened. There was a team physician named Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser is now in prison basically for his entire life. Larry Nasser had access to these girls, hundreds of girls, over many, many years, and he physically abused some, most, all, any word you choose, it's just not none. USA Gymnastics had a team physician in charge of the health of these girls who devote their life to gymnastics, who basically delay menstruation for years because of what they're doing to their body, all in the name of attempting to get gold medals, all to represent our country, all to get a life in gymnastics afterward, whatever that may be, sponsorships, touring gymnastics, companies, books, movies. And they were never aware what Larry Nasser was doing. Not one girl had the courage. No one was able. Not one parent noticed it. I'm not discussing today how absolutely unacceptable it is and scary that this could go on, that this abuse could go on to gymnasts, to young women. Unnoticed, untreated. He eventually got caught. Someone went public. The news today was... USA Gymnastics was sued by a class action of the gymnasts. A class action means that a bunch of lawyers get together. They go to a bunch of people who have a crime against them. They grew up next to power lines. Like Aaron Brockovich, they started drinking dirty water. Whatever the case may be. In this case, it was girls who had been sexually abused by Larry Nasser. A class action means that you get certified by a court, by a judge, that you can all sue together. Instead of 500 individual lawsuits against USA Gymnastics to recover damages for mental anguish, pain and suffering, negligence, and everything else that USA Gymnastics is certainly guilty of by allowing this abuse, you put everyone together and you do one lawsuit. The way companies work when they see that they're about to get sued and they're going to lose a lot of money One of the options that is made available by the laws of the United States of America is to declare bankruptcy. When you declare bankruptcy, personally, if you declare bankruptcy, guess what? Don't tell anyone. I'm going to whisper this. If you declare bankruptcy, you may not have to pay your credit card debt. I can't guarantee that, but it's definitely possible. Is our microphone good enough that people heard that, do you think, Coca? So USA Gymnastics declares bankruptcy, but the lawsuits go on. USA Gymnastics has an insurance company. All of us do. When you own a company or run a company, that company has insurance. It has insurance called DNO insurance, which is to insure against directors and officers doing something wrong. 
So if I did something wrong as president of the Marlins and I got sued in my capacity as president of the Marlins, the Marlins would have to defend me and the Marlins had insurance that whatever money was lost to whoever I did something to was paid for by an insurance company. But there's limits. It came out yesterday that they are willing to settle for between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars per child, they are willing to give two hundred and fifteen million dollars to the gymnasts. That's not coming from USA Gymnastics because they don't have a pot to pee in. That's all coming from the insurance company. The insurance company gave USA Gymnastics the right to settle at two hundred and fifteen million dollars. That's it. USA Gymnastics goes to the girls and says, this is the offer. This is what we have. If you all take it, you'll each get between two hundred fifty dollars and $300,000. It has created an uproar. The uproar it's created is simply because they believe that if they sue individually or if they don't accept the settlement and go all the way to trial, they'll get more than $215 million. Let me explain to these girls what to do. I'm not, again, I'm going to get in trouble. I can feel it. This is not emotion. This is not personal. I'm not saying it is okay what happened. What I'm saying to you is you're not going to get more money. There is no more money to be gotten. When an insurance company tells you what they're offering, that's it. You can take them to court. You can get any amount you want as a judgment from a jury who feels sorry for you. You could get a billion dollars each. You'll never get paid the money. Will it feel better to you to spend two years in court to try to get $5 million instead of $250,000? you will say, my God, I'm going to have life-changing money. The problem is you've been abused. You have to get help. It is unbelievably horrific, inexcusable, embarrassing, upsetting, disgraceful. But then you're going to spend two more years and you're not going to see one extra penny. Is the juice worth the squeeze? When settlements like this and offers are made, you take it. And this is not me being a behemoth of business. This is me telling you, practically speaking, you've got to get help and you've got to move on. Whatever you can get, get. But if the insurance company won't pay, You can get whatever judgment you want from USA Gymnastics. They're bankrupt. They don't have anything. It's not right. It just is. This is it. Last show before the Super Bowl. Finally. But I would never run out of props. I've picked a prop every day. Go back and listen to the past eight or nine shows. There's a different prop every day. On Monday's show, I'm going to detail every prop and whether we won it or lost it. I love my prop today. And this is a prop I don't bet, I don't think, on this game. Everybody says they bet on the Super Bowl. They count being in a square pool as though you're betting on the Super Bowl. Like when you buy a pool for a dollar and try to win $50 by getting the score right. There's a prop that says, will there be a penalty in the Super Bowl greater than 15 and a half yards? I love that. A personal foul is a 15-yard penalty, so they set the over-under of 15 and a half yards. How can there be a penalty of greater than 15 and a half yards? There's one way. Defensive pass interference. So I guarantee you, 
there will be a defensive pass interference call. This has been one of the biggest issues that has faced the NFL. Will there be a challenge on a pass interference call? That would be a cool prop bet, and I'm sure they have it. Tommy Tran will tell me after the show. I'm sure they have it. This is a give me. Minus 250 to win 100 that there will be a pass interference call down the field greater than 15 and a half yards. Book it. If we lose this one, I will take the L for every one of them. Go triple on this one. God, that almost guarantees I'm going to get it wrong. Pick of the day. I told you about Kyle Lowry. We lost. That's three in a row. Taking a break from the NBA. We're going Super Bowl. I'm very worried about my Super Bowl pick because in my experience, when everybody thinks the same, it means we're all wrong. And I've got to get back to 500. I want to go Chiefs. I filmed something for CBS Sports HQ. I said I was taking the Chiefs. Now on this show, I can say I'm taking the Niners and I'm guaranteed to be right. Either I'm right on nothing personal or I'm right on a commercial for CBS Sports HQ. Nah, that's not my style. Mahomes will be the MVP, Chiefs over the Niners. I think you'll get have to give one, one and a half. Either way, you're going to be fine. Okay, wait to see. It's a Super Bowl wait to see. How many people are thinking about the halftime show? I'm thinking about it. Shakira, J-Lo. My wait to see is that Jennifer Lopez's ex-husband and great Miami icon, Mark Anthony, will make an appearance during the Super Bowl halftime show. Unannounced. Why do I think this? I could say I have inside information, but I don't. I tried to get it, and I could not get the answer from Mark himself. I thought just saying, hey, are you going to be at the halftime show? Or I tried it another way. Hey, I'll see you at the Super Bowl on Sunday. Of course, I'm not going, but I thought the answer would be something. I did not hear back. He may be totally underground, silent. And the reason he is, is that he knows very well when there's a Super Bowl in Miami and you've got records to sell and you're an international pop star, you don't let J-Lo and Shakira get all the eyeballs. You get yourself into that halftime show. And when Mark Anthony wants to do something, he does it because he'll tell you more than anybody else I know. It's always business. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.